0: Namaste and welcome to the Holistic Pioneers Maiden to Mother podcast. This is a safe space to talk about issues affecting everyday families as we dive into the healing of lineage and generational trauma, talk all things divine health, conscious parenting, and relationships. Are you ready to laugh together, cry together, and grow together? Then join me, Solana Usha, for today's epic episode. <laughs> Namaste and welcome back to the Holistic Pioneer Maiden to Mother podcast. My name is Solana Usha and I am so grateful to be stepping through this magical journey of self discovery and divine holistic health with you. On today's epic hump day journey of divine health and well being, I am going to be sharing with you my traumatic new journey into motherhood, sharing my vulnerable, raw experience in the fourth trimester after having my daughter in 2020. If you haven't listened to the last podcast episode, I share with you her birth story and my journey into motherhood. So jump back and have a listen to that episode first for a clearer understanding of our own personal journey. But before I jump in today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to really be raw with you and truly vulnerable. I have taken an unintentional break from the podcast and social media work. Uh, That's one of the many things that are different when you're a mother. It's physically impossible to do it all and sometimes something has to give. And to be honest, usually it's your passions that are the first thing to go when you're going through the lists and lulls of life as a mother. Our children and our family's needs always come before our own and... Often that exhaustion leaves little free flow or creative energy and I really have struggled with trying to get the word out there of this podcast and to feel like my message or what I'm trying to build and create is worthwhile. Um, It's so easy to get caught in the fact that so many people would prefer to see you crash and burn and fail and uh, would rather <laughs> rather see that than just share with their community or, or even egg you on a little bit with a review. Um, I haven't felt like I've asked too much of those of you who do take the time to listen by leaving a review on the Instagram page or leaving a five-star review on your podcast streaming device. However, I was so excited to share the news with you guys that we had actually reached the charts in the top 100 of women's health podcasts. Um, but yeah, when I, I didn't get any reviews on any of the Instagram posts, it all just started to feel pointless, like I was wasting my energy. And I have gone through a really difficult time finding my love and passion again, um, but I'm back <laughs> and I am here to be vulnerable and I am here to continue this mission of creating this village and I just wanted to say I'm sorry for the short break. I really am doing the best that I can and I truly do appreciate you allowing this space for myself to be open and general genuine and vulnerable with you and for allowing those that I interview to share in a safe space. So, thank you. I really would appreciate uh, your review on the podcast episode image or any podcast episode image on our Instagram page. And please, it takes less than a minute to leave a review on your streaming device or even just a five star at the moment, as I know that Spotify has stopped getting written reviews for the moment. Um, so, Jumping back into the episode, so last episode I shared my birth story and journey with my daughter Aurora and I left it at her birth and holding her in my arms for the very first time. It felt, um, I don't know how to say this, it felt important to leave that episode at that place and point in time because like so many this is as far in as our planning that we go for first-time parents often it's just all you think about in that magical pregnancy bubble bliss um, and you talk about (laughs) bassinet sheets or types of bassinets and the clothes that they're going to leave the hospital in and we don't really plan or or think too much further ahead of that. But it is so important that we start sharing our fourth trimester and postpartum stories, that we are creating a safe space to remain vulnerable and held, seen and truly respected for the most divine transformation humanly possible. So like so many March 2020 babies my postpartum journey was at the time a world-stopping roller coaster of fear and the unknown. My daughter was born in a small rural hospital in New South Wales on the night of the 15th of March, Sunday the 15th of March 2020. By Monday morning The Australian news or the Australian morning news could be heard just echoing through the televisions outside of the maternity suites and the nurses and the midwives whispered their fears to each other. Australian shelves in the supermarkets were bare by lunchtime and talks of a countrywide lockdown, if that was even possible. I remember hearing all of this from my room and thinking oh, God, it's, it's just a flu. Like, honestly, it's just like a cold. Um, and I know that there are a lot of opinions about that, but I'm, I, that's not what this is about. So at around 11.50 a.m., I remember I grabbed my baby girl and we headed outside of the hospital for some fresh air. And it's a moment now that I am so grateful that I was able to capture on my camera. When I returned to my suite, the midwives were moving around the ward and closing off the doors to the maternity ward and moving between the six maternity suites, asking that we keep movement to a minimum. We were not to leave the maternity ward or to visit other areas of the hospital grounds anymore. My mother came in to visit me and that's when we heard the next rule. Only those that had been in the birthing suite could visit, so... That being because I would birthed on the Sunday my mother and my husband. That's okay. No one else had said they were going to be visiting me anyway. But all of a sudden I was restricted to my suite with no visitors. It was a lot of unexpectedness to take in. As soon as my daughter was born, they lay her on my bare chest as I'd requested in my birth plan. And I still remember the release of endorphins and nothing else in the world mattered as I watched her tiny body move slowly yet frantically over my chest to find my nipple for her first feed. I honestly don't know how time moved after that. I felt like it was quite rushed and there are many details that I struggled to remember even in the hours and days Afterwards, sometimes during my trance of watching my baby have her first latch, I'd burst the placenta and I had been stitched up. I remember that I felt the agony of the stitches, but I was easily drawn back to my daughter for distraction. I was busy trying to take it all in, her head thick with fine black hair. She didn't open her eyes. We had been engulfed with thoughts about her and her eye colour for months leading up to her birth and she definitely looked like her daddy. (laughs) But as I mentioned, time didn't make sense in these moments. I had a natural birth with no drugs and no intervention. I felt like I was rushed soon afterwards into the shower to clean up whilst the midwives waved, measured and attended to my daughter and the room, stripping the sheets and cleaning up the room. 4.1 kilos and 49 centimetres long. She was a big baby. <laughs> I had birthed on my back on the bed, exactly what I hadn't wanted to do, and I still don't know how that happened. When I got out of the shower, we were moved to a suite, a large enough room with a hospital bed, sofa bed, couch for fab and private bathroom facilities. This was, in the end, amazing for us. We had never expected a private suite. We did go through the public system. So we did think that we'd be sharing with another mother. And so we took it as a win because Fab was allowed to sleep in there rather than going back to the van and leaving me alone, which was originally the plan because if you are in a shared room, you aren't able to have partners sleep in there with you. And that scared me. <laughs> the following day, as the endorphins started to settle, I began to notice my own body again and... This was the first time that I'd really stopped to check in with myself. The first time I went to pee, (laughs) it stung. (laughs) oh, And I cried in pain, unable to continue but unable to stop because my muscles were just so weak. I had torn. I was never told to what degree. Everything that I had thought about childhood birth was wrong (laughs) um so first of all if you do tear or any time during postpartum if you need to pee I highly recommend and I know I had a girlfriend when I was telling her what this episode was going to be about and she said tell them to pee in the shower (laughs) don't bother going to the toilet you need that warm water to um like get rid of the acidity and just yeah (laughs) yeah Just pee in the shower. I promise you it's the greatest advice you'll receive. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought that the faster you labor, the better for yourself and your baby. But um, that's actually incorrect. In fact, the faster that you birth, the greater likelihood of tearing and prolapse and bruising and God knows what else. And I remember... When I heard that and I looked at my daughter's dark skin and realized that her face was bruised from entering the world so quickly, I had about a 40-minute active labor. That is, uh, active labor is from when you, your waters break to when Bubs is born. I'd never heard of prolapse before my postpartum journey. It's, definitely not something that I think most women would look up during their pregnancy bliss or their little pregnancy love bubble. But I do recommend learning as education is key. Kegels or pelvic floor exercises are 100% a thing. Um, I also recommend very, very highly seeing a women's health physio quite early on in your postpartum journey. This was not a luxury that I had, as they were all closed due to the new COVID restrictions at the time. It is great to actually even speak to one throughout your pregnancy, I know that a lot of them work uh, through your pregnancy as well. So prolapse affected all areas of my life, from the intense pain of going to the bathroom, and. I'm really sorry, this is this is a lot of information, but you just have to understand the pain I went through. We thought that I had um like I was re-tearing each time I went to the bathroom or um you know like those blood clots that you get in your in your bottom from straining. We we tried all of that, we thought all of that was the problem um until I found out that I had a rear wall prolapse. So what that meant was when I had to do a poo, um, I would have to place my fingers up my vagina and push back the wall as, um, my waist was creating a, a sack, a bubble. So my rectum was no longer straight. It was creating kind of like a curve that, um, was getting caught. And then I was pushing and, And I was, yeah, I was making things worse. Um, It's not nice to talk about. It was a horrific, horrific experience. I would be bleeding and crying and just, I was a mess. Going to the bathroom was the most traumatic thing for me for a good three or four months afterwards until I actually had found out about prolapse and worked out how to fix it. Um, It also affected my self-confidence Not to mention my relationship, especially the sexual health with my partner. Everything was different and it was uncomfortable for a long time. And I didn't know about prolapse. I just knew that I didn't look or feel the same. I was uncomfortable. um, And that didn't make for a pleasurable connection when we did finally reconnect sexually. So I couldn't more highly recommend Seeing a women's health physio. Um, yeah, that one that one's always been really, really hard for me to talk about because no one does. <laughs> um it's really scary to to be that vulnerable with people, but it changed my life. and I'm here to tell you that, I 100% could have avoided this if I had had the knowledge. I actually didn't receive the prolapse until three to four weeks after I gave birth. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) Um, Another thing that I'd never heard of was the second night blues. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I hadn't been planning to stay in hospital, but with the lockdown and the frantic shoppers, the best place for us was honestly the hospital. And I really am so glad that I stayed and I'm so grateful to the midwives who asked me to stay. Um, I was the last one left from birthing that weekend and they would have been out of work. They would have gone to scarcity. Um rosters, I think. So like one person manning the floor of the midwife's station until they had a birth. So they asked me to stay. There was toilet paper. (laughs) Um, yeah, but I'd planned on leaving within the four hours. This is, this is how naive I was. But on that second night, when your body is so exhausted, your hormones are frantically shifting and your milk comes in, It feels like your entire world comes crashing down. Baby is awake more on the second night, wanting to feed and help bring in their milk. In my experience, my daughter had a strong lazy suckle. So she worked very, very, very hard to bring in enough milk to keep her satisfied. She was full term. Thankfully, it didn't take too much but because she was bigger um, she was able to drink more so she was pushing my body to supply more and by that second night my nipples had begun to crack and bleed in her efforts and (laughs) there is no word (laughs) to describe the pain It is so excruciating. I would cry out in pain each time she latched. And I remember saying to me that she really, my mom, she she really did try to breastfeed my brother and I. Um, But she said the pain was just so excruciating. She wanted to throw us out the window. Like just, (laughs) Um, there, there are no words to prepare you for that. Um... It's not a sensation that we could ever be used to. And in the middle of the night, I remember I'd completely broken down and I declared it. I, I'd failed and I couldn't do this. An older midwife came in and she told me all about the second night blues and she said, it's, it's normal. It's, it happens to everyone. It's the hormone changes. It's bubs bringing in your milk. It's the exhaustion. It's the healing. And um, that made me feel a little bit better, but I felt so stupid for all the things that I had focused on during my pregnancy that I didn't know any of this stuff. And she came in and saw me struggling with a nighttime feed with my daughter. She was born with a set of lungs on her. And she asked me if I'd like to try nipple shields. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) This was a lifesaver. So we began working on our latch and the nipple shields allowed just enough milk to pull in and heal my cracked and bloody nipples. And yeah, it just, it stopped even that, that grinding that some babies do. And, oh, I just, yeah, highly recommend getting a set of, <laughs> a set of uh, nipple shields. So Many of us naive maidens, we really do believe that breastfeeding is natural and therefore it must come naturally and easy to us all. This is not the case at all. Whether you choose to breastfeed, bottle feed, or you simply are not even given a choice, which is a sad truth for many, many women who are unable to breastfeed, I see you. I see all of you. Each and every process, no matter what you choose, has its pros and it has its cons. Bottle feeding, you're able to have help, yes. It's not as physically exhausting on your body and your breasts as breastfeeding. But you always have to be prepared and have bottles and supplies, not to mention The cost of formula is a massive hit to your budget and you can't opt out once you choose bottle feeding and change your mind down the track because your milk will have dried up. But the, the greatest pro to all of this is that you can have help. Breastfeeding, on the other hand, it's all on you, mama, and that in itself can feel defeating in your darkest moments. My daughter was over 18 months old before my partner would watch her on his own and that was only because I'd wound up in hospital for a week and he didn't have a choice. My partner had used the excuse that she needed the boob to settle. So not every choice is a choice but there is no wrong choice and I see each of you and I see how hard it is and we all have the exact same struggles is am I doing the best thing for my baby? My personal experience with my fourth trimester was isolating and lonely. I did not feel that I had a village or support. I actually only had one friend come to visit and my grandparents, and to be honest, that probably hurt more than I'd ever thought it would. I realized the importance of having a strong, reliable, supportive village or, or tribe. Not only that, but being a new parent, it open up, opens up old wounds and childhood traumas that you actually didn't even know that you had, and your reactions will often be a shock to you at first, especially when you're exhausted and sore and healing and a new small human's entire world. I remember the shock of me just getting really upset at my daughter crying in the shops because it didn't fit that vision that I'd had in my head of being that perfect mother. And realistically and in hindsight, that was never going to happen. Babies cry. But to me, I always felt like I was doing something wrong when my daughter would be hysterical or or sad. It's a really hard, really lonely journey um, if you don't have the correct support and tribe surrounding you. One thing I did begin to realise though was all the conversations that I should have had with my partner and my friends in preparation for my baby girl rather than the ones that we did. (laughs) And this is a whole nother podcast episode in itself because it is absolutely vital in the health of your relationship, your postpartum recovery and the establishment of a healthy connection with your baby. I actually, on my Instagram page, share some wonderful ways that you can support a new or expecting mum in your life, whether that be a family member or your own partner or a friend. But basically, crystal clear communication is absolutely critical as each new mum is quite different and may have different preferences. So. Don't be afraid to ask how you can help or be a strong support for them during this period. They may want some time alone to process and be in their family bubble. They may want visitors. I actually didn't realize how much I wanted to be surrounded by my village until I didn't have anyone. So I just want to remind you all that if you are feeling that you may be starting to struggle... Ask for help. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait until you're on the floor crying. But that that will happen and there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. Let's normalise talking to our community and asking for help and remembering that it takes a village to raise a child. It was never supposed to be all on you, Mama. And Well, on that note, now's a great time to mention that the Holistic Pioneer podcast will soon actually be releasing a Facebook group community just for you to connect and ask for help and access fantastic tools from the wealth of knowledge of the women around us. So keep an eye on my Instagram page and Facebook page for more details on that. That will be coming very, very soon. As I said, I have been struggling recently. I have had quite a lot going on. I actually didn't mention it but um, I've been diagnosed with some pretty severe health issues recently and a lot of that did come down to my lack of postpartum care. So I do want to share more details on that in the future um, and just how you can take care of yourself and make sure that you're being um, supported and getting the proper nutrition and just that your journey is a sacred and a special Rite of passage. I want to thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it. It was a very vulnerable share for me today, but I do hope that you find an abundance of love and wisdom in each and every single one of my podcast episodes. I'm so grateful for you for allowing me into your journey and for joining me in this incredible rite of passage. I really do. I see you and I see how hard each of you are working to heal your wounds and give our children the most nourishing start possible, even just by showing up here with me each and every week. I'm so excited to share with you interviews coming up with everyday mamas just like you and me and thought leaders from across the globe and just loading you up with delicious food for thought and things that you just didn't know that you needed to know in this podcast I really am going to arm you and your support network or your tribe with the tools and knowledge to support you through your maiden to mother journey but in order to do that I really do need your help in sharing and getting this podcast out there tell your friends tell your family share it on your Instagram and your Facebook we need to get the message out there, and only then am I able to help um, your network and your tribe with this valuable information. Don't forget, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at The Holistic Pioneer. Each week, I will definitely be sharing shadow work journal or thought prompts, asking questions about your maiden to mother journey, and honestly asking for your advice or about your experiences on your journey. If you loved today's episode, I would be so grateful if you could please just take a moment to leave a review on the latest podcast Instagram image and to share my podcast with your tribe so that we can reach all of the beautiful women and parents out there. This isn't just a podcast. This is a community and it will be your village and we are going to celebrate the rite of passage together. So thank you again for listening. Until next time, namaste.